Hello, Church! Welcome to Sunday Sermons. I'm Pastor Brett, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Centerbrook, Connecticut, and today's message comes from the prophet Jeremiah, the 23rd chapter, verses 1 through 6. And I'm not going to lie, this sermon is political. There are no two ways about it. So trigger warning for those of you who hate listening to political sermons. But if you are going to listen to it, I'm begging you to listen to it in its entirety. Listen to the whole thing before you go and curse my name and hit the unsubscribe button and write to my bishop and all those things. It starts pretty critical of political leaders and parties and and all those things, but it pretty quickly turns the focus back on us, back on Christian faith. This sermon was preached on Christ the King Sunday. It's a feast day of the church year that asks us to choose a side. Who do we pledge our allegiance to? To God or to human beings? To God or man? And so it's political. It just is. But I'm asking you to trust me all the way through the entire podcast today. Through the entire whole thing. So if you've got a Bible, grab it now. Flip all the way to the prophet Jeremiah and read the pages. I'll always encourage you to do it because you know how I feel about having the Word of God in your hands. The Word inspired by the Holy Spirit speaking to you in that moment. If you can do it, do it now. But if you don't, here it is. The prophet Jeremiah, the 23rd chapter, verses 1 through 6. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them, so I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And in his days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Word of God, word of life. Good morning, church. Do you remember? Hi, Jonathan. Do you remember how I started the sermon last week? I said, oh, you are going to hate the sermon this week. Remember? And then you did. Success. Uh, You're going to hate the sermon this week. Um, Not because I'm going to make you talk to each other like I did last week. Um, This week, it's going to... It's going to... It's going to wade into the P word. It's going to wade into politics a little. So I just need you, and I just need you. I know. 
<laughs> I need you. Listen, you just got to hold on. Just, I know you're going to get, some of you are just going to, you're just going to have to hold on. Trust me through to the end, okay? All right? So now here's my question for you. Uh, today is Christ the King Sunday. Um, one, do you know what it is? And two, do you know why we have it? We didn't always have it. This is a relatively new feast day in the liturgical calendar. It was um, established by Pope Pius XI. You remember him. Uh, No, uh, 1925. And it was established uh, largely uh, largely um, to counter the rise of secularism and nationalism. If, If you think about the date, 1925, and you think about being in Italy, and you think about what's about to happen in that part of the world, and largely across the globe. We're about to head into the 30s and the 40s, and you remember your history, I hope. And essentially what Christ the King Sunday says, and what this feast day says is this. It says, Christ is Lord. He is our King Christ is our governing authority. Christ is, he, well, he's our guy. And all other guys, or girls, or people, all, everyone else, anyone else who claims authority in this world, they, they just don't get the same weight as Jesus does. And we'll respect them, and we will honor them, and we will do the very best we can to follow the law. But when push comes to shove, we are servants of one Lord and one King and it ain't Caesar and we are citizens of one nation and uh, as St. Paul says to the church of Philippi it's not of this earth we're citizens of heaven and so Christ the King Sunday is it's not a reality check Christ the King Sunday is a priority check And what it asks us to do is, what it calls us to do, is to ask the question, do we have our priorities in order? And I think that's what makes politics in this country so weird. When it comes to politics in America, it feels like, and maybe you've noticed this recently, and it's not a new thing, but maybe you've noticed, it feels like we're a country of people of political ideologues. We are party people. We're kind of like sheep. We're predictable. And um, you could pretty much guess someone's Beliefs, if they were to tell you what their voter registration is, you can probably guess what they, their, their priorities and their belief system. And even though we have this in this country, and especially in this state, this huge swath of independent voters, um, most independent voters have never voted for a single candidate outside of a single political party. I learned that from NPR which means you claim to be independent, but you might as well be registered to a single party. You see what I'm saying? And and none of that, not a single thing in that sentence or that paragraph is what makes this country weird. That's probably all over the world. What makes it weird is that our loyalty to 
party almost no matter what is despite the fact that our country has more Christians in it than every other country in the world. Did you know that? 230 million Christians here. We have the most amount of Christians in this single country than any other country in the world. Seven out of ten people in this country, almost three-fourths of the country, claim to be Christian. Even with the declining numbers of people of faith that you probably hear about, we are the most populated Christian country in the world. And so you would think that with that many Christians, we would constantly be electing leaders with the character traits that the Holy Scriptures say that leaders are supposed to have. With a particular ethics and moral compass, with a godly wisdom and faith pleaded by the prophets, like Jeremiah says in today's reading. But we don't. Or at least we don't, uh, well, we don't keep them accountable. It's like we say with our voice that that bothers us. Like we say, we say that we aren't okay with the ethics of politics. But then with our actions, we are. And, all right, here's, uh, this is where, this is the part of the sermon where some people's blood is about to boil. So I'm just saying, like, hold on, and please just trust me to the end. Like, Thomas, hold on, okay, buddy? (laughs) Hold on. I know. (laughs) Just hold on. We're going to get to the end together. But I promise you, like, It'll be okay, and you'll get why I'm going here, okay? Um, I'm going to say something, but hear me through, okay? You gotta tr- I've been here a couple of years now. You've got to trust me where I'm going, okay? I'm going to say something. I don't think uh, Donald Trump, our president, is a Christian. Or at least a good one. Now hear me out before you slam your fists and, and start biting your teeth and let your blood pressure go through the roof. Hey, hold me out. Hear me out. I, I don't think his character aligns with what the scriptures call for in national leadership. I don't think he acts in the office Christianly. With a caveat, I believe... Uh, and I do make a regular practice of letting people claim their faith. So if someone says they're a Christian, I take their word for it. So he, he says he's a Christian, I'll, I'll take it. But the scriptures teach us that actions are important, almost more important that, than words, in fact. And it tells us to fear those who are all words, but whose hearts don't align with the words they speak. Or better, part, but better put in 1 John 3, we're told not to love in word or tongue, but indeed and truth. And so I hear this refrain, refrain really commonly when I ask Christian supporters of the president about certain moral deficiencies. Not in his past, but sort of common now. The lying and bullying and certain policy points that I find antithetical to Christian faith. And, it, and I always hear something like this. No, I, I agree. I don't agree with those things. I don't like those things. It's, I, I'm against those. It's, I'm, I 
completely agree with you. I object to all of those things. But I didn't vote for a, a saint. I didn't vote for an altar boy. I didn't vote for a pastor. We elected a president. We elected someone to, to keep his promises, and he's doing just that. And that answer is fine, by the way. That answer is perfectly good and reasonable if you aren't a person of faith. It's a perfectly reasonable justification for weighing certain moral priorities if you believed you were getting more good than you were giving up to support them. But the problem is we are people of faith, and the scriptures don't really make room for those kind of ethical nuances. And they also teach what a leader of a nation is supposed to act like. In fact, there's even a law prescribed by God in Deuteronomy that teaches exactly that in chapter 17. It's called the law of the king. And it says this, once the leader or king has been appointed, they must not acquire too many horses. Okay, he's, he's fine there. The leader must not take numerous wives. All right, well. (laughs) Nor can the leader acquire too much silver and gold. And when he has taken the throne of his kingdom, he shall have a copy of the law written for him in the presence of the Levitical priests, and it shall remain with him, and he shall read it in all the days of his life, so that he may learn to fear the Lord his God." Diligently observing all the words of this law and all these statutes, neither exalting himself above other members of the community, nor turning aside from the commandment, either to the right or to the left, so that he and his descendants may reign long over his kingdom. All right, the horses part is funny, the wives and money part, whatever. But what's important for me in understanding this is the law part. That the leader is to read the law, this law and the law of God, all the days of their life so that they may learn to fear the Lord. And when the scripture says fear the the Lord, what it's talking about is honoring and respecting him. It says that the leader must learn to fear the Lord and diligently observe the Lord, the law, all their days. Or in other words, the person or people that hold the highest offices of the land, they don't get a pass. In fact, the scripture says they are to be more diligent in their reverence for God and respect for God's will. And now, before you think this is just some liberal anti-Trump rant. You mean it's not? I mean it's not. I mean it's not. It's not a criticism of our current president, even if I have my gripes. It is a criticism of the seven out of ten of us Christians who have never held our political leaders accountable. Because before we assume that Barack Obama was some saintly president, let us not forget that he and his administration expanded the use of drone strikes, killing hundreds of citizens and thousands of unintended victims. Nine out of 10 strikes across the world from a drone under the Obama administration didn't hit their intended target. They hit hospitals and schools and caravans of wedding parties. And people who are, voc- who are vocally critical of President Trump for certain moral shortfalls, i.e. your pastor who's preaching to you right now, they were silent under Barack Obama. See where I'm going with this? 
I didn't say anything. I didn't send a single letter. I didn't sign a petition. I didn't go to any justice marches because there weren't any. Nothing. Because he was my guy. Because he was Saint Barack. And when he drew that red line in the sand against Bashar al-Assad in 2013 in Syria, and then Assad crossed it and gassed all of those innocent people, the 1,400 people, and all the women and children in those horrific, horrific attacks. And the administration didn't stand up against him and when he crossed the line. Guess who defended the president for that? See the problem here. See where I'm going. Why do we do that? If we're Christian first, why do we do that? Why is it so easy to fall into these party political traps as Christians when sometimes, and not always, but sometimes it is right and wrong is so easy to see in front of us? Jeremiah, the prophet in today's first reading, speaks at a time around 587 BCE when the Babylonians came through the Holy Land and crushed it, destroyed the temple, pillaged, murdered, and destroyed the humanity of what was left of the kingdom. And when Jeremiah opens his mouth, he utters the words of the Lord, who in part lays blame for the national tragedy, not all on the Babylonians, but at the feet of the leaders, the kings, the previous kings. Bad leadership for the mess. People who were supposed to shepherd their kingdom. People who were supposed to follow the law of God. Be upright and righteous. Instead, sold out. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them, so I will attend to you for your evil doings. When our leaders don't act in accord with moral integrity, when they don't care for their kingdom the way a shepherd is called to care for their sheep, God cares. Regardless of what policies they support. And it makes God angry. And so I see us as a nation of many Christians, as people of faith, as having two options. We either give up on our leaders and instead stick to faith and get out of politics, stick to our own divine leader, Jesus as Lord, Jesus as Christ and the kingdom that he is ushering in and work on on the work we're called to, to do justice and care for the poor and the oppressed and do all that work and leave politics for somebody else because it's hopeless. Or dig in and engage the political process deeper and with more thought. Maybe we are called still to be partisan, fine, to play the game, fine, I actually think that's okay. But maybe we're called to praise our leaders when they deserve praise, but more importantly, to hold our leaders actually in account when they need to be corrected. 
from every board of ed post to the president themselves. Not just our political rivals. It's easy to do that. But our guys, or our gals, or our people, the people we claim as our own. Maybe the answer as Christians is to help our leaders be better leaders by holding them accountable ourselves. When someone's main voting block holds someone accountable for something, change happens. What would it look like if 230 million Christian Americans, or even just the Christian Obama supporters, wrote to the White House, all of them, to the Obama administration and said, stop dropping bombs on people when you don't know who they are. Said, stop blowing up hospitals on accident. It's a crime. The UN condemned you a million times. Cut it out. We love you. You're our guy. You're Saint Obama. But cut it out, or we're done with you. What would it look like if the Christian Trump supporters chose the scriptures and wrote to the White House, all of them, and said, Mr. President, we love you. You're our guy. We love you. We, we support you. We got your back. And we understand what you're trying to do. But stop taking kids away from their parents. We, we want you to fix the system, the immigration system. But that's against our principles. Stop it. Cut it out or, or we're done with you. We support you. Fix it. But not that way. Cut it out or we're done. What would that look like? If instead of engaging our political biases, we engaged our Christian biases first. All of us. Perhaps Christ the King Sunday actually calls us into the political sphere to make our politicians better politicians. To be wiser, to be more courageous, to more boldly care for justice and the oppressed, to have love for the poor, and maybe, if we're lucky, to have love for God. You see, when Pope Pius instituted this feast day, he said this, If to Christ our Lord is given all power in heaven and on earth, if all men purchased by his precious blood are by a new right subjected to his dominion, if this power embraces all men and women, it's 1925, it must be clear that not one of our faculties is exempt from his empire. He must reign in our minds which should assent with perfect submission and firm belief to revealed truths and to the doctrines of Christ. He must reign in our wills, which should obey the laws and precepts of God. He must reign in our hearts, which should spurn natural desires and love of God above all things and cleave to him alone. He must reign in our bodies and in our members, which should serve as instruments for the interior sanctification of our souls and to the use of of the words of the Apostle Paul as instruments of justice unto God. You see, when God spoke in Jeremiah, he condemned the kings for straying away from the right pathways, but he also promised that one would come. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in all the land. Jesus does come, a righteous king to save his people. But Jesus is not like any king or any leader or any president or any political party that we've ever had. His throne is made 
of a cross out of wood. And the only thing he takes from us is our sin. But he sure as heck gives us a lot. Righteousness, holiness, identity, life eternal and life today purpose. Obama might have given us hope and change, but Jesus brings us salvation. And Trump might be making America great again, but Jesus is bringing his kingdom here on earth today. And our job is not to confuse who our king is, who our Lord is, who our God is, who our prince of peace is, who our salve for the soul is, who our balm in Gilead is, who our rock that never moves is. It is Christ, perfect in every way who breathes out the Holy Spirit upon us, offers us strength for the weary, and raises the dead. God Almighty, who sits on the cross and says, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. You, Lord Christ, are our guy. He has to be our guy. Before anybody else, we choose him. And we choose him first because he chose us. From that throne of grace, that cross of life, Jesus chose to give us life for us. And so, Lord God Almighty, we choose you. Amen. Hey, thanks for sticking it through. You know, I, I don't know if I could have preached this sermon at another congregation, but I knew that I could preach it in my church. We spent a great deal of time here learning how to have difficult conversations, learning how to talk about really hard things in a community of people with diverse opinions and ideas, learning how to build trust in a community. That's part of being church, and that's what I love about my faith community. But I also know you're listening to a podcast, and I want you to know that if you've got feedback for me or you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BrettHertzogBrickowski. And if you are ever near Centerbrook, Connecticut, especially on Sunday mornings, we'd love to have you worship with us at Trinity Lutheran Church, 8 or 10 o'clock a.m. There's nothing like worshiping in a faith community. And you can send prayer requests or scripture topics you'd love preached on to brett at tlccenterbrook.org. And as always, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. God bless you.